Well, do continue to pray for the country of Belarus. We're going to turn to our reading now, and our reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 20. I'm delighted that Chris Bond from uh, my small group has agreed to bring us the reading this morning. So Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 20. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thank you, Chris. And as we step into these verses this morning, we're going to be thinking about uh, being careful about the way in which we live. And we're going to consider how we can live wisely and not unwisely. And just as I was preparing uh, for the service this week and just looking at these verses, uh, I just felt convicted by God. Uh, that while we're going to have a three-point service, uh, actually, we're going to focus in on point one this morning. And then we're going to pick up on point two and point three next week from these verses. Uh, because I was just really convicted that uh, there's a lot in this this morning, which is just really apt uh, for this time as we understand what it means to be church and to move forward together. And so our first point this morning, which we're going to focus on is this, wise people understand time. Wise people understand time. Paul begins by saying, make the most of the time you have. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Well, Paul tells us because the days are evil. What does Paul mean by that? It seems a strange couple of statements to put together in one sentence. I've mentioned to you before that uh, I live a stone's throw away from Lamb Hill Cemetery. And uh, as you walk around the cemetery, uh, you see all these gravestones, each with a different name on it and each with different dates on it. Uh, dates indicating when that person was born and when they passed away. And it will say something like born on the 2nd of September 1931. And then there's a dash and it will say died the 1st of May 2019. And it just struck me the other day that that dash represents something significant. The day that person was born and the day that they died is not the most important thing about that person's life. The most important bit on the gravestone it's the dash. It's the bit in between that represents the fullness of their whole life. What they did with that gift of life. How they lived that life. The relationships they made. What they did with the time they were given. For some that time was short. 40, 50 years, maybe less. For others it was longer. But what did they do with the dash? How did they use the time they were given? Did they make the most of 
every opportunity as Paul encourages us to do this morning. Paul's desire is that when we get to that point where our life is represented by a dash, that as we look back, that that time might have counted for something. That we would have made the most of that time, made the most of every opportunity. And why? Paul tells us because the days are evil. How should that statement change or alter our perspective on time? Well, I wonder how you view time. The world certainly teaches us that time is precious. Time is a commodity not to be wasted or misused. It encourages us not to procrastinate and to waste time, but to invest that time and to use that time. Invest in things that are worthwhile, like relationships, family and friends, and building memories, making a difference in our world. And as Christians, we say amen to all of those things. We recognise that things like family and friends are a precious gift from God. They are something to be cherished. And let's be honest, this time of lockdown has got us reconsidering a great number of things in life around time and how we use our time and the things that we cherish. And we recognise as many of us have stepped off the treadmill in some sort of shape or form, that often busyness can rob us of the things of great value and worth. And that these are the important things that we should be investing in. And so there's been this period of reflection over lockdown on time, not just by us as Christians, but by everyone as to how we use it and how we can invest it in something that is valuable and worthwhile. I mentioned a quote a couple of weeks ago uh, from Dallas Willard, who said that in order to grow spiritually, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And we know that hurry and busyness can rob us of that richness, of that relationship with God, opportunity to be with him and spend time at his feet. And the richness of relationships with one another, and there's a lot of truth in that quote of eliminating hurry from our lives. So there's principles in our world uh, about how we grapple with how we use time, and we as Christians do that as well. But for the Christian, we have to go even deeper. And we note the gospel imperative in these verses that Paul reminds us that the days are evil. There is a work of salvation and redemption to be done in our world. And it should shape our lives and it should shape how we use our time. Uh, we know that after paradise was lost in Genesis chapter 3 that sin distorted every area of our lives including our view on time. What do I mean by that? Well, for the Christian, while time is precious, and it is, in another sense as Christians, we are blessed with more time than most. We are the people of eternity. 
In many ways, time has no limits for us. The Christian fellowship which we enjoy with one another in the here and now has an eternal aspect to it. As a church family, our relationships with one another will supersede death. They will have an eternal dimension. We get to spend eternity with one another and our fellowship with one another will be richer and deeper and fuller in heaven. The best is yet to come. Time is not against us. Similarly, within our biological families, if we are blessed to have Christian families who love the Lord, uh, Christian parents and children who know the Lord, that relationship is also secured in Christ. It has an eternal dimension. And again, our relationships will be deeper and fuller and richer in eternity to come. And we are blessed with time. Time cannot rob us of those precious relationships. What then is of worth? What then does matter? Well, what then becomes a gospel imperative is those relationships which are not grounded in Christ. Those relationships where time is not on our hands. The days are evil. And the devil has blinded people's eyes to the eternal reality of what God had always planned for them. In the beginning before the fall, death was not part of creation. Separation from God and one another was never on the cards. But now it is because of sin. And the devil blinds people to the reality of eternity. And in so doing, people become consumed with building their lives in the here and now. But because the days are evil, our focus as Christians is always to be on the eternal. You see, having that perspective on the eternal shapes how we use our time in the here and now. It shapes our priorities and our perspectives. So right now, what is the most important thing that you can be doing? Surely it is helping people redeem time. Rediscover that eternal aspect to their lives. John 17, 3 says this, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 3, 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Satan has blinded people to the reality of eternal life and the reality that time is not just limited to 50, 60, 70, 80 years here on earth. That's just the beginning. Paul and the other biblical writers want us to know that there is eternal life awaiting us. Eternal life that is entered into through relationship with Jesus. And we as Christians carry that message and we can help to unveil people's eyes to the reality that eternity awaits them if they put their trust in the Lord. John 6, 27 says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son 
of man will give you. How can we do that? Can I just share with you this morning, very simply, one thought from reflecting upon all of this. And it's simply this, that we as Christians need to make time to invest in relationships. Something strange has happened in the evangelical church over many years. We say that the days are short. We say that the call of the gospel is urgent. Therefore, we as a church are going to be active in calling people to Jesus. And the result of that is that we become very busy. And activity and running ministries takes over our lives. But with what fruit? Days are short. Days are evil. There is a work to be done. The call of the gospel is urgent. We do need to be active in making Jesus known. But the old saying that less is often more bears fruit at this time. Slow down. Walk in the way of discipleship. Jesus has shown us the pattern one will tell another and they will tell their friend. And this is the means of world evangelism and discipleship. It's relational. It's about multiplication. What if we were to slow down and find three people maximum to invest in our relationship with them? To be intentional, to grow that relationship, to talk to them about Jesus and pray for them. For many of us, we think that time's short. We need to reach the whole world. We need to reach the whole of St George's Cross. I need to reach my whole workplace or my whole street or community. And often that leads either to mass evangelism that is underpinned by activity or we just become overwhelmed and do nothing. What is the primary model of evangelism and discipleship in Scripture? Well, the primary model of evangelism and discipleship in Scripture is relational. And that's why I say, what if each of us were to start with just three people? And if they come to faith, then perhaps they'll bring another three, maybe even more as people witness the change and transformation in their lives. And then those three that are reached can bring another three and you begin to see the multiplication process happening. It's a relational model of church and it's a relational model of evangelism and discipleship. It's not about mass activity. Often we celebrate when we have a hundred or more people coming into the building from the community and those things are good and yes people's lives are touched but perhaps in these days we learn to slow down to clear our schedules to spend more time relationally one-on-one -on -one with individuals talking about Jesus and talking about things that matter perhaps that will bear more fruit and imagine if you had 150 people in the church doing that every 12 months engaging with just three people, meeting them weekly on a regular basis, spending time with them, sharing life with them, sharing with them our faith and talking about the things that are important to us in a very natural way. Yes, the way we use our time might shift. 
Perhaps we might start saying no to meeting up with some Christian friends or coming along to some church gatherings in order to invest in that relationship with a friend or family member who's not a Christian. But wouldn't that be a good use of our time? What if we were to prioritise corporate worship once on a Sunday? And then maybe joining with a small group one evening during the week. And then maybe just engaging with one of the prayer times during the week. But the rest of the week we're intentionally setting aside, perhaps as little as three hours, one hour a person, to invest in that relationship. Not just to catch up with them, although that is good, but to intentionally take the conversation to deeper levels. To talk about truly meaningful things in life to ponder eternity and what happens after death and how one might live their life in light of that. I think in love those are great conversations that we could be having. And as we're engaging with that person, so our small group is praying for that person also. And those who gather at the prayer meetings every week are praying over those names as well until they get to a point where they meet that person and witness that change and transformation in their life and witness them being baptised and becoming part of the church family. Wouldn't that be exciting? Suddenly I'm excited about the next 12 months of church. And let's be honest, bar a Sunday gathering and a small group and a prayer meeting, this is our current weekly rhythm of church as we're scattered across the city and in new ways, many of us have that time to invest in meaningful relationships. And if we came out of this time stronger, with a more relational model of church, with a, a relational model of church that was built on relational evangelism and relational discipleship, that would be exciting. 150 times 3, that's what, 450? 450 times 3, that's 1,350. 1,350 times 3, that's 4,050. Who knows? You start to see that multiplication process. As we as a church family would engage with three people and share the faith with them. And then as they come to faith, all those who have received the gospel message go on to tell others. And suddenly you see this multiplication of witnesses spreading this good news of Jesus across the situation, across the city. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. And all we're talking about is spending time with people we already love. It's a win-win situation. You're spending time, perhaps with your child who doesn't know the Lord. Perhaps with your spouse, with a family member, with a friend. And you get to go out for dinner with them each week, to chat over coffee, to play a round of golf, whatever you do. And all we're saying is, let's be intentional. Let's take those conversations to a deeper level. Let's make sure that as we're spending time with those that we love and care about, that we begin talking about the eternal things that really matter. Maybe it happens just by asking questions in a very natural way. 
saying things simply as we talk about our own lives like you know I'm going through a really tough time at the moment but my faith is helping me and sharing something about that or maybe someone shares with us a struggle they're having and we say I'm so sorry that you're struggling with that that must be really tough but I'm here to support you and do you know what I'm going to be praying for you I wonder if you ever thought about prayer if you ever tried praying to God yourself and just intentionally quietly and gently opening up a conversation bringing God into our every day when that's done in the context of a good relationship it becomes natural see this is not an artificial mode of evangelism we're not asking you to build relationships with someone you've never met We're asking you to think about who are the people that you naturally know. Who are your friends and family members? Your colleagues at work that you spend time with, whom you love and enjoy spending time with. That you would just take that step further and begin bringing faith into your conversations. It's an encouragement to step out of our comfort zones and to begin talking about these things. You know, it's been amazing uh, just watching some of these campaigns on television uh, to get us all as a nation talking about mental health, to take the stigma out of that and to ask a family member or a friend or a colleague, how are you actually doing, especially in this time of COVID? What if that was to happen but around faith, that we were to take the taboo out of talking to those that we love about faith and about meaningful things. I'd love for us to get to that point. So to what extent does eternity shape the here and now and your choices about how you use your time? When it gets to the point where your life is represented by a dash, what will make the way that you lived your life different from others? and different from your non-Christian neighbour. Hopefully the difference will be seen in every single hour that you are given. Not just the fact that on a Sunday morning, perhaps they went out for a run and went for brunch and you spent an hour at church and that's the only difference between you. You know, eternity should shape how you live because if eternity shapes how you live, then maybe you will change the course of direction for that non-Christian friend's life as well, so that when their life gets to a point where it is represented by a dash, that actually the Lord might be part of their life's journey and coming to faith might be part of their journey. So this morning I just wanted to share that simple thought with you. Wise people understand time wise people invest their time wise people understand that the days are evil that there is a work to be done and we have this relational model of church and as we've been scattered across the city there is this opportunity for us to invest not in activity but in relationships with those we love and care about. And so maybe just now, just as we wrap up, 
when you get a bit of paper or get your phone out, write down the names of three people. Three people you love. Three people you care about. Three people that you already enjoy phoning up and saying, let's grab a coffee. Why don't we go out for dinner and catch up? And then once you have those three names, begin praying over them. Asking the Lord to open up opportunities for you to take that conversation to a deeper level. I promise you that those are the kinds of prayers that the Lord delights to answer. And it will bring joy to your heart. Every time over these next 12 months, you start to see some of those people that you're going to invest in, that you're already investing in. But now you're going to talk about Jesus, coming to know the Lord and loving him. What greater joy can we have? Why don't we pray together now? Lord, we want to pray. We want to pray in faith and expectation. We want to pray for those who do not yet know you. For those whom we have relationships with, but there is not an eternal dimension to that relationship and therefore time is short and there is an urgency about them. Lord, those names that are beginning to be placed on our hearts and minds, those names which perhaps we have prayed for for many years, we just ask that there might be a renewed season of opportunity uh, a new season where we can, in deeper ways, begin to talk about the things that really matter. Why? Because we love those people. And we love you, Lord. And we desire that they would come to know you in a real and personal way. Lord, we just ask that in the months to come that you might begin opening up uh, stories of testimony uh, from individuals whose lives have been changed and impacted because we took the opportunity to chat with them about Jesus over dinner. Lord, give us a boldness, give us a courage by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that what you have spoken to us through your word this morning may not leave us, but may take root in our hearts and our minds and lead us to a place of action. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.